Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, ballers? Awesome episode this week. Second half of this episode, we've got a good friend of the show, became a good friend of myself and Vinny's over the last couple of months, Chelsea Batch, Kennard. She's got two last names, depending on when you knew her. Uh, was on the LPGA Tour, Symmetra Tour for six years or so. Played a, around the mini tours in Canada and throughout the U.S. So great story there from her. Vince and I spent about 40 minutes with her, talking about her 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 story, where she starts as a PGA instructor after college up in Illinois and then makes her way to Texas, plays on some mini tours, goes to Canada and then spends five or six years on the Symmetra and LPGA tour. So exciting stuff there. First female uh, person we've had on the guest we've had on the show. So excited to, to have her on and we, we thank her. We had a great episode. So hope you guys enjoy back half of this episode. <clears throat> Before that happens, very exciting week in golf with a little bit of controversy coming this morning with all the COVID stuff introduce we got all three of us in the booth first we got our boy who broke his swing speed barrier this past week at 111.8 <laughs> Vinny scalici is in the house swinging the speed stick how you feel right now oh it feels good it does take me about five holes to get that to get up to that speed though i think we were sitting at about 108 average trying to push it uh that felt really good though man i'm excited to see that speed sticks and a little extra stretching, uh, doing the body good. It's exciting stuff to see, and it's helped us get to the championship of the Monday Simulator League. So uh, big things there from the team. We've locked up, I think, $600 in gift cards so far. Wow. So hopefully we can get, it's like a two- or a four-hour uh, happy hour, unlimited. So we can probably do some damage if we get that thing. Uh, our other host in the booth, who I think may be the best ball striker on the squad pod right now, <laughs> Jakey. What's up, my man? What's up, guys? How's it going? I, I actually played nine holes today and played like shit, so could be coming <laughs> back down to earth. You know, you never know what you're going to get. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's been a good week. I went from uh, 6.8 down to 5.3 in the span of five rounds. So wow. It's balling. We're, we're, we're doing some work. Yeah, I had some, had some rounds where I, I could have gone really low if I could actually make a fucking putt, which I can't. But, you know, that is that is what it is. Maybe, but, uh, it's, maybe it's time to get a new putter. It's not that. I just, dude, I, <laughs> you know, you know how, like, Vince is talking about he, like, cracks the swing speed, the barrier, you know, he's been working, he's been doing all these things. I just am not an aggressive-minded putter. I would just rather, like, make that far than, than uh, you know, ram one by, and that's my problem. That's why I never make them. So, yep. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I'll, maybe I'll turn my philosophy around. We'll see. My philosophy is always, if it's not working, it's the club, so you just buy a new club. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's but, the opposite of mine. <laughs> but uh, excited. Speaking of clubs, Vinny got a new shaft. Were you putting on the five wood? Yes, sir. Oh. Since yeah. he, he snapped the other one. So he's yeah, got I mean, get the repair. Fit of rage. It is what it is. Everybody, yeah, so everybody new, has one. Hey, you're 100% right. I, I try not to break my club. It happens about every couple of years. Typically, I just get so mad at him, I replace him. But uh, that's okay. Jake, I appreciate you um, handling the handicap after the Gentleman's Cup. So thank you for lowering that oh, and keeping yeah, it at no the problem. seven range. No no, um, I had to do it. We've had some, I guess, quick quick thing on that. We've had some talks. We want to go to Kiowa next year, 
apparently has been brought up in the chat, but the PGA Championship or the U.S. Opens there, I'm not sure we can swing that. But uh, yeah, we're looking at some fall trips maybe for to Pinehurst. Uh, me and Jakey and a couple other people. I don't know. We got a couple things we're, we're working on. Anyways, um, so we've had some very exciting golf for two weeks. It's been back live on the PGA Tour. Awesome stuff. Both Sundays, I've been glued to the TV watching both events. Uh, first at the Colonial, and now last week at the RBC Heritage at Harbor Town. Um, I mean, there's like they on Sunday starting the day there was 36 guys within two shots of the lead. Incredible stuff. Every every second you're like, I don't know who's going to win this. It's going to be this person. It's going to be that person. Uh, I think my my initial thoughts were I thought it was going to be a answer was finally going to get it done. Um, and then out of nowhere, Webb Simpson comes Mr. Steady, who I didn't even know had won earlier in the year. I was won his second time and uh, and stole it from him. I mean, he birdies like three or four of the, of the last five holes. Um, made an incredible birdie on 17, and that's when I knew it was over. Uh, I mean, he birdied 16, which everybody was doing except for Abe, which kind of killed him in the end. Um, and yeah, you know, one of the things I learned this weekend is that Webb Simpson is kind of sneaky long. And uh, I guess I just want to get wait 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 yes. long yes so there was that that par five fifteen on uh, the back nine on Sunday and he uh-huh. did it on Saturday as well a lot of the guys were laying up or uh, couldn't hit the ball high enough to get it over the trees and he got there in two both Saturday and Sunday and made easy easy birdies so um, I'm not saying he's he's Bryson DeChambeau long. Well, but he's that's also not sneaky long, but yeah. Well, okay, agreed. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess for me, I just thought of Webb as like this Ches Reeve distance guy who's hitting it, you know, Vinny's length off the tee and just winning PGA <laughs> events. Um, hey man, I don't know. I'll take I'll take Ches comparison any day. Oh yeah, Ches defending champ this week, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes he is. Uh, although he hasn't been wearing the uh, the large visor, so I don't think the he mega can. Bucket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's get your guys' thoughts. Uh, group 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 analysis on last week at the RBC Heritage. What did what did you like? What did you not like? Uh, Benny, let's go ahead and start with you. I managed to watch pretty much all of Saturday and Sunday. Um, I thought that they ended up showing a lot of, of shots Sunday in comparison. To uh, obviously it's because they just had a smaller group of people to focus on, um, but I really liked actually seeing Webb. I didn't. Nobody handed it to Webb. I, I thought he went out and he really wanted down the stretch in a way that I thought Answer could have done too, who just you know did not capitalize. And got to give him some credit. He had some stones and made some huge birdies and and went out winning. Um, I thought it was great. I I loved like that everybody was playing i thought the course played great um you know i'm just happy to see the tour back and and happy that people kind of get to contend for their livelihood so that's how i look at everybody being back and that's my enjoyment but um you know i'm just i'm happy for another week of golf awesome i i completely agree i mean uh, different storylines here and there jake uh interested to get your your take on on the entire uh rbc heritage yeah i think think vince really kind of nailed part of it there they did an incredible job of telling the story on Sunday, which I don't always know if we get with golf coverage in general. Um, you know, it just felt like they were kind of hitting all the right buttons and going to the right players at the right times. Um, and they had, you know, we had drone footage, we had all these things. You, you, you kind of, 
maybe it's tougher to do when you have fans at the events or um, when you have more sponsor things that you have to do, like have people up in the booth talk about their company or, or whatever. So coverage, I think Vince is right, is, was really, really good, and they showed a ton of golf. And the like the statement about um, Webb is so true, too. I, I sent it to you guys in, in the text thread where I said, I think – like pound for pound, that's the best player in the world. Like if if there was a situation where the tour was like a par three tour, he would be unstoppable. I mean, he's just and it, he like is an incredible putter. After like having to go through the change from the long putter, and I know it's been well documented. It's not even like worth our time. So many people know the story, but to go from it being like your strength and then having that taken away from you, and then being statistically one of the worst, and then figuring out something that works for you and becoming just an absolute killer. Like he, that's what happened. Vince said it. He like took that tournament because, you know, I, first of all, I was like really rooting hard for Abe and I thought he played great, but you saw at the, at the, uh, on the back nine there, he was just a little too conservative in spots. Yep. He hit that great uh, shot when he went for uh, 15 couldn't convert um even though he had you know like a really good look and he left a couple short here and there and then you know not birdieing 16 like you said uh in the text thread doug was an absolute killer for him and that's the difference right like you have a guy like webb who he just was making everything and that's what abe was doing on the front and he couldn't kind of summon it up on the back um but it was a great tournament i mean there's nothing else to be said burger jumping in with the chip in yeah i thought it was wow like the double burger like you were saying there's just (laughs) so many gotta get the grill going the big mac there's just so many things happening and um i was i was way into it like I, i was locked in so yeah i loved it yeah i think um jake it's funny you say that because i think that uh you bring up a great point where and i think you said this in the text I think golf has been better the last two weeks without fans. I've loved it. There's yeah. been no distractions, really. I mean, you know, Harbor Town is um, is kind of a house line course throughout most of the golf course. So there were some fans, people sitting in their backyards and whatnot. But um, yeah, I thought I think it's been it's been great uh, to watch because people are just focused on golf. They found some creative ways, like you said, with the drone, um, other uh, media outlets covering it on different channels, covering different holes social media purposes uh it's been yeah it's been great it's been centered on golf about golf and we've had some fantastic golf because we've had great fields the last two weeks and uh you saw it again on sunday i mean everybody was in there justin thomas came out of nowhere finished Mm -hmm. like three hours before everybody um got a little unlucky yeah got a little unlucky with the the weather that that kind of freak lightning storm that came in off the bay um that that postponed everything for two hours and you also saw what we haven't seen in a couple of years in that course was soft they had perfect conditions and they just ate that place alive because you know winning score has been between like seven and 13 under the last couple of years and then this year it was 20 deep um so yeah it, it was it was fun to watch and you mentioned burger i was going to talk about this a little bit later he extended his streak of consecutive rounds at par better 32 he's moved himself into the top 10 now he's at he's uh he's if he does it all this weekend he'll move in the top three in that i don't know if it's really a record or not i think it's really cool it's like um was it cal ripkins like most Uh, starts in a row yeah yeah so right it's it's kind of a cool streak there i mean tiger's at 52 he's way out there 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Berger's playing great. He kind of health issues derailed him for a couple of years and now he's, he's rattled off 32 rounds in a row at par better. He almost, yeah, he tried to win again when he chipped in on 17. I, I, I texted you guys. Yeah. Get the, get the grill cooking put the burgers <laughs> on. He's ready to go. Um, so just exciting all around. I, I don't have too much more to talk about the RBC other than it was must watch TV on Sunday. All the guys rise to the top, and and Webb Webb kind of stole it there and, and played really well down the stretch. Yeah, I want to bring up one more thing too. Go ahead, just to go back to the what you were talking about with the um, not having fans. Mm-hmm. I know we had it, we talked about it a little last week, and I think we got a little bit of it last week, but we got way more of it this week, and it was better. And that was player caddy combo via the boom mic. Yep, and. Like the, there's a couple that stick out to me. I know we've talked a lot about 15, but for some reason that was really a hole where there was like a lot of discussion about, you know, could you or could you not go? And to hear like th- there was four different conversations on the same hole regarding a similar shot on Sunday. And to hear these guys have to go through like uh, Yako couldn't go over because he hits the ball so low. Right. Neiman, he just couldn't do it. So he and his caddy are trying to like kind of come up with. He, you know, he's trying to talk about slinging one. The caddy's like, well, we might have to go out here and lay this up. You hear that version of the conversation. Right. Then you hear, you know, Abe, who was just like absolutely locked in. He and his caddy had about a two-second conversation. The caddy says, well, you, you basically, do you think it's this one or this one? I think it was between like three wood and, and five wood or something like that. And Abe just rips the head cover off, grabs it right out of the bag and goes up. And then you have the same thing. Um, with Webb having uh, a shot on that hole. And that was the day before, actually, on Saturday. And he and his caddy uh, go through a very in-depth conversation, and Webb basically asks him, look, I'll hit the shot if you think I can do it. And he's like, oh, you're going to clear these trees, dude. And, you know, he flags it. And so I I loved that right now is like the shining light of what is working without fans, is being able to hear all the stuff these guys go through and all of the detail and also to hear like how important it is sometimes for a caddy to be like, no dude, like you can do this or like, no dude, you should not do this. Right. And and that's, we don't get enough of it. So I think that that was huge. I love that. I was so locked in on that. Yeah, it's been great. I, uh, I, I agree. I, and I, I saw Brooks saw uh, mentioned, he was like, yeah, well, if Jim Nance would just shut up, you would hear yeah. us talk a lot and, and not. So I, that was funny. You know, he obviously doesn't give a shit what he says. So, right. Um, <clears throat> yep. It's been good. Like I said, a lot of a lot of things that I didn't think were going to be great. I thought the atmosphere and the fans was all one of those things. But maybe it really just is one of those things that adds to like a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup atmosphere. And it's really not something that's needed. Right. Um, you know, obviously, it's going to come back at some point because uh, it is fun to watch those guys. But uh, they, yeah, the PGA Tour has done a great job. Um, any, you have any other closing thoughts before we move on to this week's uh, Travelers? I'm good. I'm excited to see another rage from Gary Woodland or something uh, next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving on to the Rage Fest from Gary Woodland at the Travelers this week is uh, an exciting, another exciting one where the ranked one through seven players in the world were all going to be playing. Uh, Brooks Kapka has withdrawn because his caddy uh, tested positive for COVID. I'd like to talk about it a little bit. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's too much to talk about. I think the PGA Tour has done a, as good a job as they can with all the testing, and they've added in additional. But they did have four or five guys withdraw this week. Um, Nick Watney tested positive for it, for it last week. And then Cameron Champ tested positive for it this week. He withdrew. 
I saw Graham McDowell's caddy tested positive for it. So he withdrew. Uh, Brooks, like I said, he's out. And then also, which I'm, I'm kind of upset, is Brooks' brother, Chase, who Monday qualified, shot five under, and in a five-man playoff for two spots, got in. He withdrew uh, because of, I guess, being near Brooks and his caddy. So I feel kind of bad for him. I'm hoping the tour is like, hey, dude, no big deal. We'll put you in next week if you test negative. Uh, but yeah, five or six guys there that, uh, you know, are pretty big names in the, in the game that have withdrawn. Um, and, and I don't want to talk too much about it. The Monahan talked at, uh, two, two thirty Eastern time today that they're you know adding a couple of things along with Charlie Hoffman, who is the head of the players committee. Uh, but just quickly, Jake, you have anything else you want to add? You think they're doing it the right way? Do you, do you think that, there's going to be a point in like a week or two when they're like, Hey, we can't play anymore because our whole staff has it. Or what, what are your, what are your personal thoughts? All right. So, um, I mean, it goes two ways here, right? I think the tour has done a good job. They've tried really hard and that's very clear. They have stringent testing policies that have caught, you know, cases, right? So they've done the right thing and they've brought this to the light in the media. It's not like they're trying to hide this or sweep this under, uh, under the rug or anything like that. But there is a huge issue that I think we're seeing. And this is why all of these other leagues and sports are talking about these like bubble leagues, right? Like the NBA is like, we're going to Disney. We're going to be in Disney. We're not going anywhere, but Disney, that's it. You know, Justin Thomas tweeted out that, um, uh, at Harbor town, the general area there, I'm blanking on what the place was like, nobody, no masks. Everybody's out to dinner people everywhere and it freaked it and it freaked him out a little bit right the thing is you you have a traveling circus here and if if people are being stringent that's great but there's still a lot of exposure and a lot of chance for exposure because you're moving so many people all the time like brooks kepka said that he and his entire camp had very strict rules that they were trying to follow and his caddy ends up being someone that tests positive and I'm sure there are caddies and players out there that aren't following rules as strictly. Right. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying it's, it's probably a case. And so what's to say that you're not going to have more of this? So I think the, they have to watch because if these numbers go from like four or five a week to like 10 to 15 a week, then he's going to have to, Monahan's going to have to think about pulling the trigger again. And that's not what he wants to do. I guarantee you that. So that's my thoughts. Um, I'd hope it doesn't happen, but I mean, it, it's definitely a worry. It's very clear that this is a, a problem. I agree. I think uh, before I get Vince's thoughts, I just because just it popped in my head, I think it, it really is because um, it, it's so hard to monitor everybody. I know that they've said they've given like wristlets basically to these guys. So they're monitoring their like heart rate and fever temperature. So they yeah, can, like try that. to detect earlier. But yeah, it's just like you said, people are traveling from city to city. I know they're chartering all of them on a jet. They're testing them Saturday to make sure they can get on the flight Monday to charter to the next uh, area if they're playing in that event. But you're right. Like these people are seeing their families or whatever. And like, who knows if their families are being safe? Like it may just be like an innocent visit from your wife or kids, but they may be seeing other people. Who knows? It's so hard to manage everything. I agree. It's really like, hey, if you're going to play this week, you're also going to play for the next four weeks and you're going to stay in a bubble and we're all going to stay in a bubble, same hotel, everything. And then after four weeks, you have the, you have the opportunity to say, Hey, I'm not playing next week or for the next month or 
I am going to get back on and do the same thing and do the next four because it, it is really tough to uh, get all these guys. And I know PJ is a little different because you got Monday qualifying and you can do all right. this stuff. Um, but those are kind of my, my thoughts and opinions. Vinny, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I watched pretty much all of the presser today with uh, with Jay, and I thought he did a really good job of ensuring, you know, everybody from ESPN, CBS, everybody who was trying to, what I think, uh, get him to state that uh, it's going to get so severe they're going to have to stop playing, It's or, you know, my protocols aren't good enough, it's my fault. I think they were trying to influence that in terms of what they were asking him. Right. And he did a very good job of reassuring them that additional protocols are in place, blah, blah, you know. And I get where JT is coming from. Like, you're, you're there playing golf, but you're still there in an area that's being carefree. And they were saying, like, how many people got lucky that were actually spectators at this event because they had rental properties on the golf course. They had... You know, there was people, you could hear people cheering on TV. There's, you know, almost everybody yeah. had people in their backyards on the holes. You know what I mean? And who says they're not out there running around at night playing golf on the, you know, shit like that. And if they had to do something, it's going to be environmental security. Uh, I, I hate to say this, it's going to take a lot of people to manage a property that big anywhere. Um, it, it's just something that they can't do. I, I wish they could provide a more. Uh, an environment that's just less stressful for the pros. It's just not going to happen right now. I think I think Monahan's words are reassuring, except for you can only do so much. Like here in Houston, if if it's still in the current state, they're going to have a really hard time playing in the fall. Yeah, I th- I think the the other thing that we're like not considering, and it's what I think has because like I brought up the bubble league thing. That's not even an option for them. I think like it, it truly isn't because of the way that sponsorships work, right? Sponsorships in a lot of cases are attached to places like Travelers really is attached to TPC River Highlands and the community that surrounds it. So you can't be like, you know what? We're going to do a bubble league um, where we're only going to play these 10 courses in Florida and the sponsors are going to get TV time because in their mind, like, yes, we're getting TV time and you can sort of see whatever, but um, it feels like it's being taken out of whatever community it's a part of, even without fans. So I, I think that they're in a really tough spot. That's I mean, and that's where I'll leave it. I, I hope that they can figure out some ways to, um, you know, like do something with the charter so that not everybody's on the flight all the, uh, at the same time or whatever it might be. But they're going to have to they're going to have to figure something out. So perfect. Well, I agree. It's just, it's, uh, it's going to be really tough. We're going to see, um, how things progress here the next couple weeks. Um, and I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping that they can keep things together and keep things tidy. Like Monahan said today, they've only had, you know, a very small sample size in right. what's going on, um, with their, the players and caddies and everybody in their, area you know they've only had one last week and and three this week so um so we'll see what happens as we but moving on to uh to tpc river highlands this week which is where they're playing the travelers championship uh up in in cromwell connecticut which is actually not too far from where benny and i went to college um shorter course only the, tipped out for them they're only playing like around seven thousand yards um 
it, it is a, a course where uh, actually at last year, Matt Wolf and Hovland made their professional debuts. Um, and a year later, them, the two of them and Morikawa already have a win. So pretty crazy that uh, wow. we're, we're already a year into their career. Um, I know obviously some months removed, but uh, before we get into our picks, power rankings really quick. JT Poston, 15th. I think is very close to winning and also making me a lot of money. Young JM, number four, uh, is 14, who actually, is that like, it could be his first career miscut last week. Seems like. <laughs> it seems dude, like it, doesn't it? Dude always is in, in the money. Uh, missed the cut last week. Mark Leishman, 13th. Uh, Jocko Neiman, 12th, who played very well last week. Another guy who had a chance there in the, on the back nine on Sunday. Uh, Paul Casey, 11th, who's making his first appearance uh, since covid uh, Abe Answers 10th. Uh, Bub Watson 9th, who has had a lot of success here. He uh, has won here three times, 2010, 15, and 18. Uh, and a guy that I am becoming more and more where I like him more and more because he just does some funny interviews. Uh, I just I think he's a creative guy. He's good for the tour. Uh, he, he even said this week in an interview I saw that when the Thursday and Friday pairings come out. He takes a look right away because some of the people he gets paired with are like a two shot penalty because they suck so bad. Uh, and they're like no fun. And, uh, he takes offense to that. So I think that was pretty funny that he said that, um, John Rahm eighth, uh, Webb Simpson was seventh. He withdrew. Brooks Kapka was sixth. He also withdrew, uh, Rory playing again this week. Who's kind of off to a slow spot, slow start after COVID. Um, did not play well uh, again on the weekend at uh, at RBC, and we all know what he did at Colonial. He stumbled on Sunday there. Uh, Patrick Cantlay making his debut after COVID on four, who a lot of people like this week. Uh, Rosie third, Bryson DeChambeau, who I saw uh, got his ball speed up to 200 miles an hour and uh, and said that he can drive the whatever the reachable par four is across the lake now. <laughs> he does that. Uh, and then JT is one who uh, played incredible on Sunday last week. Didn't didn't get the job done, but, uh, you know, made himself a lot of money and actually separated himself. I saw in the uh, yearly money list. So uh, J- or, uh, JT, uh, Jakey, what we got for the overall points and uh, how did we do last week? All right, so overall points, um, last week we were com- coming into the week with Vince at 28, me at 19, and Doug at um, 15. And this week, after the way it kind of all shook out, um, I got the win with Corey Connors. Uh, I have 24 points now. Vince had a missed cut. He has 29 points. Woo-woo. And Dougie got a very important three-point split this week. Let's to go. Get to 18 points. So he's back in the mix. Um, and that's it. Yeah. It was, a good, it was an interesting week because Vince hasn't really dropped many. So this was, uh, this was big for our little points game. I'm just really surprised it was Sungjae that let me down. I know, dude. I said the same thing. I couldn't believe that uh, Mr. Consistency was one of the ones uh, – to miss and Doug, Doug's like literally a week late on Web. If he picks Web a week later, Dude, he wins. That's right? the second time this year that's happened to me. I can't remember <laughs> who it was in the fall. I did the yeah, same thing, and the week later, he won. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, all right, well, Vinny, you sucked last week, so you're up first. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I apparently did suck very bad. Um, this week I'm moving with one of the top guys, power rankings wise, and I'm going to take Mister Justin Rosie. 
Uh, I think I think he's probably he's settled into the new clubs. Not that long, of course. He's made a bunch of birdies over the last two weeks. I think he's going to play pretty well up there. The new clubs. You mean the the new? He like literally went in his garage. The new yeah, old. The old new set. old. The new old. Yeah. Exactly. He, he got rid of those panmas. It's all good. Yep. Love it. Uh, he does have fresh clothing, though. I do love the Bonobo stuff. Yeah, it's a good look. Um, I'm going with. Is he in the? No, he's not. I'm going with Cameron Smith this week. Ooh, a little okay. bit out, outside of the it, people aren't saying is going to have a good chance this week, but we played well in the fall. I, I looked, did some research. He hasn't played particularly well since the restart, but uh, yep, liking his chances this week. I like that. I like that. Well, I was going to take Bubba, but then I remembered that I did take him for Riv, so I had to cross him off my list because okay. he's an absolute monster at TPC River Highlands. Um, <laughs> deep, like I, his first win was there, and he beat Corey Pavin in a playoff. How crazy is that? Oh, yeah, I know. That's why. <laughs> um, so I was like, "Who else am I going to take?" And you know what? Even though I was going to maybe save him for something else, I do think this is the week he does it. Bulky Bryson gets his first win with his new, with the new bod this week because that, he's going to he's going to demolish that place in Love terms it. of where he can hit it. So Bryson's my pick this week. I mean, you can't hate the two, 200 ball speed. You just, That's, you can't. It's insane. It's honestly it, fucking crazy. It is. Every time I watch the videos that I said, like the one I sent you this morning, I just sit there and laugh. I'm just like, what the, like, what, what am I doing wrong that I can barely get over like 115? And this dude is blowing it at 200. There was a, a video of him last week, and I don't think I sent it to you guys, but I remember seeing it. He, it was a three wood. And he's trying to just nuke this thing. I thought he blew his shoe out. I thought he, like, destroyed his shoe. It got, like, caught in the ground as he was swinging. And I was like, oh, man, we have, like, full-on, you know, like, Zion Williamson. Like, Bryson has his own blowout, shoe blowout just from sheer power. But he, he apparently he was fine. But, yeah, it happened. And I was like, holy shit. Like, he just destroyed a pair of shoes. The guy is a freak. It's insane. I love it. Um, well, while we're on picks, uh, my betting picks for the week <clears throat> i had brooks Capka. obviously i got that hundred dollars back but uh i took sungjay and jocko were my two lowest odds and then my i took four long shots i took postman because i'm staying on until he wins uh for telly okay i'm just gonna ride the hot hand hot i took hand, Car- yeah. carlos ortiz okay and uh i took gmac but he withdrew so i'm gonna have to find somebody else but those are my guys for this week, so we'll see how they do. Last week, I uh, got obliterated. Nobody won because Webb came out of nowhere and won it. Yeah. I had answer. Thought I had that. I actually had Burger as a pretty long shot, too, to win again. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the mega long shot. I told you this one today. Corn Fairy guy playing in this event almost had a walk-off Albatross last week. He made Albatross to take the lead. And then, I mean, he was a couple groups in front of the leader, so he ended up getting passed. But I have a, I have a feeling I don't think he's I don't think it's a win situation I don't think that but if you can get any sort of like the top twenty five maybe even top ten Joe Bramlett is balling and he's <laughs> playing this week and the guy melts it and I'm just telling everybody out there you might get some crazy odds if you can get it so the Bram man love yep. it that's fantastic stuff great great work there uh, all right guys I don't have too much more we're gonna uh, on uh, on TPC River Highlands Travelers, we're going to obviously keep an eye on COVID 
as things progress there. Hopefully they degress and we don't have any more cases. I hope that there's another phenomenal week this week with another great field. Uh, as we get, we're only 12 weeks away from the tour championship. So not too far. Um, and, uh, just about five weeks away from the first major. So we're getting closer. It's pretty crazy. I know it's like July next week, which is like what, the, what happened to the year. Um, so yeah, guys. Any other any closing thoughts from from the two of you on on uh, travelers? I have nothing else on travelers. I'm Vinny? good, Dougie. I'm I do good. have a que- I do have a question. So they do that that short little par three where you have to hit the little umbrella in the middle of the lake. Yeah. How many shots do you think it would take you to hit the lake? Hit the Ooh. well, hit the lake. Take one, but how many? Yeah, the lake's it? easy. Uh, do we? I'm just, I don't know how like, far it is. Yeah, They're hitting wedges, saying, so like probably what seventy yards, eighty yards. <laughs> That's not exactly my uh, my hot zone. Um, I would say it's going to take me seventeen balls. Seventeen balls. All right. Oh, jeez. Vinny, are you over or under seventeen? I'm under. Whoa. I'm definitely under from eighty yards. Okay. Hey, oh, wait I, a second. The, the Sims got yards, me. That could be El Hosel situation. Yeah, that would you, be. Dude. Well, wow. he would, if he sets up way left, he could he could hit the shank to the to the thing. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Things are working right now. Dougie, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say my short game is dialed from underneath 100 yards, so I could do it in probably seven shots. All right. I'm doing seven shots. I, um, I actually believe that. You're a pretty good wedge player. Yeah, I am a pretty good wedge player. I, I, I'm all about to be on the search for a new driver uh, because oh boy. it's just, yeah, it's it's not good. Um <laughs> But the rest of the game is good. The putting stroke after our caddy on Sunday at Piner's number four Piner, gave me a little tip. Yep. Oh, dude, I am stroking it right now. No more push, huh? Yeah. Oh, no, no push, dude. I, I, I kind of have the opposite of what you're doing. I, I'm getting aggressive with my putt, so everything's getting to the hole. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, or going past it. I did have, I did leave two in the heart last weekend with Vinny, but uh, yeah, it's it's getting there, and it's, it's looking pretty groovy. Um, Love that. Any, uh, I know you said you were playing this weekend. Do you have a match this weekend, Jake? All right. So the match for my team match play at my club currently not set up, but it has to be played in the next seven days. So there will be a match most likely before next pod. Love it. But, uh, tomorrow I'm actually going out with Chris, who we interviewed on the pod earlier this year. Um, we're going to be playing Seaview Bay, which is where they play the, um, ShopRite LPGA classic. Ooh. So that, that'll be cool. Have something to talk about, about that a little bit. How far is that from you? Uh, it's like probably 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, Vinny and I are going to be playing at Gus Wortham on Sunday, which is where they play the Houston Am now. They did a redesign there last year. It's it's. I actually like the layout a lot. It's a pretty cool course. Um, probably walk again. I don't know what's going on here, but we're going to walk again. Um and potentially weather pending, but weather pending for Sunday as well. We could play a Wildcat Saturday. We have a buddy that we were introduced to who has his own videography uh, practice. He does it like for like pipelines and other construction stuff. And uh, he has volunteered to come drone footage for us and do some other cool shit. So hoping to get some good content for the third episode of the Happy Hourish, which will be old uh, Shankopotamus. This is turn, Vinny. Oh. Um, <laughs> Actually, last week it wasn't the shanks; it was the tops. He hit about five tops off the tee. Dude, it was blowing out there, man. Oh God, he, it, Jake! I forgot to tell you, he thinks it's because he loses his weight distribution is why he <laughs> topped the ball. 
Said Hold on while I laugh when I'm, I when I'm, myself here. When the wind's blowing straight into my face, I have some tr- some trouble kind of keeping balance during my swing. Bro. That's how oh, I feel, dude. my gosh. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know what? Amateurs, dog. Whatever, whatever, I guess, like, yeah. put those positive thoughts right. in your head. Doug you do blames it. his driver. That's right. He, he blames it at least once a year, and that's why he gets a new one every year. That's you right. blame your balance. I mean, I just suck, so, like, that's easy, and then that's, that's it. Love it. All right, well, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the first half of the episode, and I hope you also enjoyed the second half where we bring Chelsea on. Benny and I talked to her because uh, Jake was sipping some cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, as always, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or on our Instagram at the Breakfast Ball Pod, all one word. Leave a review. I'll put some words in there to help us with the algorithm moving us up. We appreciate it. We got to 250 followers this week, which to some people may not seem like a lot, but to us, we appreciate that. So thank you as we continue to grow. We also, oh, I forgot. We didn't even lo- we got a new logo this week. We do talk about the logo. Uh, Big thanks to Vince there. I will promote you to uh, head of uh, our social strategy with our, our logos. So Jake's now head of di- digital media. Vinny's um, ahead of our um, social branding. strategy. Branding. Yep. Great guy. Vision. Great vision. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm just here to kind of write the ship. So That's yeah, it. we got the hats being printed with our new logo. They should be ready by Friday. Wow. Um, we got 10 of them coming. Five in uh, bl- black and Five and green. So we're going to start giving those out to the, our, our guests on the show, and uh, hopefully you'll start seeing those pop around. So uh, with that, Benny wants to go ahead and take us out and uh, set us up for the uh, interview with Chelsea. All right, ballers. Let us know what you think of the logo redesign. We think it's pretty dope. Uh, you'll see the hats along with the post uh, about Chelsea and her awesome career and uh, her future, which you guys will get a glimpse of right about now. Let's bring her in. We have our first female guest on the show, Chelsea, good friend of ours who we've come to met, meet, um, what, two months ago, maybe three months now. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the good things to come from COVID. So introduced to you by another friend of ours um, who we happened to beat last night in, um, in uh, sim- Simulator Golf League. So uh, moving on to the finals there. Uh, but... Chelsea, welcome to the show. We got Vinny here as well. Chelsea, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks for having me. What a pleasure to be the first girl on the podcast. First so female. First, first, yes, first, first female. Yes. It's 2020, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so yeah, my name's Chelsea. Um, I'm originally from Illinois. I moved to Texas about a year ago. Uh, no, Texas... Almost, I guess, well, five, six years ago to Houston. Okay. It'll be a year ago in July. Um, so born and raised in the golf business, golf industry. Been playing golf since I was little, three years old. Had a club in my hand. Um, went on to start um, playing competitively at nine and then played high school golf, played college golf. Went uh, the harder route, went four years college, and then went into the professional golf management program, went that route in the industry, and that's when I decided I would try the circuit and play on tour. So then I played tour golf for almost six, seven years, retired because I had a child, (laughs) 
And uh, here I am now, and I, I work for a company called Backswing Golf Events and enjoying Houston. Awesome. Well, welcome. We're so happy to have you. We've been talking about this for a while. So let's talk a little bit about your golf career. So you said you started at nine. When did you realize that you wanted to try to be a professional golfer? Was it then or was it when you got to college and you were beating all, all the other women? Or what, what was uh, kind of the spark there? Uh, I always had a dream of playing on tour, but I hesitate when I say that because I don't know that I was ever going to really follow through with that dream. Um, ultimately, I wanted to be a director of golf at a high-end country club. That was like, more... Like Wildcat? Yeah, exactly. Like Wildcat. Okay, yes. <laughs> yep. That's the exact picture I've painted in my mind. Yep. Good. Director of golf at a, at a course like Wildcat. <laughs> Um, but so that's why I went the industry route first and it, it wasn't really until, um, I was able to play in Monday events with PGM program and, you know, being an apprentice and I was up against all of the men. There weren't too many of us females in the industry. And so we were playing 20% less in yardage as far as what the guys played. Right. And I was able to compete. I finished third in the assistance championship and, um, had another top 10 and was making some good paychecks. And cool. that was kind of when I realized, you know what, I don't know that I really want to stand in the golf shop. I, I kind of want to give this a go. And I had the support system behind me and we said, well, what are we waiting for? And that was kind of when it really became real and decided, nope, we're going to a route and skipping the business. Awesome. Um, so you went to, did I see Eastern Illinois for a little while? Went to Illinois State University for Illinois three State. years and then transferred over due to some coaching issues to finish out my final year at Eastern Illinois University. Yes. Okay. And then when you went into the teaching route, was that in Illinois as well? or? Okay. Yeah, that's, I began, yep, began the career there at a country club called Mattoon Country Club. Mattoon is just that side of where Eastern was. Uh, met a, a head pro there that kind of took me under his wing and got me started in the industry and got my books. And um, it was in 2000, um, late 2009, early 2010, I then relocated to Phoenix. And then that's where the career blossomed. I bounced around there in the uh, private side, public side, multi-course, um, par three, uh, semi-retirement community to, you know, full on public kind of did the whole gamut there in Phoenix. Awesome. Um, so you were all over the place playing in these Monday events or, or in the, uh, PJ teaching side of things. Um, you know, we've had our buddy Dylan on the, on the show before he's, um, you know, done the, done those events. He's still doing that right now. He splits his time between Florida and New York during the year. When he's in Florida, he's playing, and when he's in New York, he's teaching. Um, he actually just—he was in the Monday qualifier this week for the Travelers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, didn't get in, so I know it's a very, very tough life. Um, so you you did all that, and then you went to qualifying twice. Yep, did Q school twice, um, and you know it was totally different back then when uh, I was playing. It's it's now four rounds with zero with no cut a cut after the fourth round. But when I was Q school in it, it was two rounds, a cut, and then two rounds and another cut. 
Um, So a little bit more grueling then than it is now. Um, At least you're guaranteed four rounds. My entire career was based on two rounds of golf, which just made things really difficult. Not that I'm making excuses, but um, did two two years of Q school, had all intention of going back for a third. Um, But kind of, as I stated earlier, having a child kind of dampened the uh, practice sessions and the time that I could spend at the golf course. And obviously my mindset was shifted a little bit. So uh, two years was all it was and played some Metro tour and um, played some small events on the big tour and um, played Canadian tour and then uh, mini tours of Cactus um, and then your state opens made my way around. Awesome. Uh, what was your, your highest finish? Top ten on the Canadian tour. <laughs> okay, awesome. What, uh, don't mind me asking, what was the, what was the paycheck for that? I can't disclose, um, <laughs> but I will say it was one of those. Um, I had a pretty decent putt on my finishing hole, and I knew it was going to be for a a good amount. And it was inside twelve feet, so definitely a putt that in a normal round you'd pretty much bag it, and that's probably the closest I have come to ever feeling pressure. And aside from Holy Moly putting for $250,000, that putt was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is a life changing putt. And I wish I could have experienced that more often because that there's just no better feeling as as sick as you are over the putt, but there's no better feeling than that. And of course I missed it. So we could have, uh, it could have been a whole nother, um, Probably zero, a couple zeros on that, but um, it was it was a good paycheck and and definitely an event that goes into the uh, history books of my career. Awesome. Say, we we know you to be a pretty damn good putter. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> that story took that turn. I thought I thought you were the guy drain that shit. That I would drain day. it. Yeah, I, I've blossomed since then. <laughs> That's why I uh, joke that I have all intention of still going back. I'm not ready to be done. <laughs> I, I know I know we'd love to hear a little bit about like the caliber of players that you know were there when you were playing and um you say that you have some great stories involving some very famous people. I know you can't disclose everything, but I'm sure uh, you have some great stories about being on tour. Uh what are some of your favorites? Give us a really good Yeah, one. you know, a lot of people don't realize that it is such a little window of what separates the players on tour. And this even goes on the men's side of things too. I think I'm, I'm fair to speak for them. Uh, really what separates everybody and you guys know as golfers and good golfers that you guys are is, is the mind game. Um, we all are just as talented. We all can swing a golf club. It doesn't matter whether you hit it 220 or you hit it 250. You can get it around the golf course. It's just, just like my putt you know, on the Canadian tour for that event. It just comes down to who can grind it out a little bit better. Maybe has a better caddy than the next to be able to get you through. Another topic that a lot of people don't realize, you know, is a very important um, employee, if you will, of yourself. Um, But yeah, there's, there's just, there is some really good, um, I don't know, friendships that are created on tour and as um, competitive as it is on the golf course. You know, a lot of us girls were a little bit different than men, probably. But, um, you know, we're housing together and we're traveling together. and We're doing the buddy system because it's a lonely road. Uh, it's a lot of people think it's glamorous and you're just getting to, you know, 
hot from state to state and city to city, and he gets played off when that's not um, what it takes. And I, I do really like to educate people on the fact that back when I played, um, I advertised myself in the fact that it cost anywhere from forty to $50,000 in expenses just to play. So we're not even talking, you know, any kind of paycheck yet. We're, we're already $50,000 in the hole. So there's nothing glamorous about that of figuring out where your, you know, next um, entry fee is going to come from, how you're going to pay your caddy, how you're going to get from next tournament to the next tournament, who are you staying with. Um, so amidst all of that stress, it was, you know, those friendships that you built and um, to get you, you know, from, from tournament to tournament. It's funny you say that because I had that was one of the things I had written down was I'm always curious as far as the travel goes for all golfers. Although, you know, I know the top guys, they're flying around in their private jets. But as far as right, the rest of you go, you know, is that something where you're you're calling ahead and setting up hotels and doing all that stuff? Or do you have somebody doing that for you? What's the. And that, that is a difference. That is something that could separate somebody else is, you know, they do have people doing that for them. Whether it's, you know, donated to them or that's through their sponsorship right. or whatever it is. But, um, no, I'm, I'm my own entity. I was my own business. Um, I did all of my fundraising, if you will. Um, obviously, I had some really good sponsors. You can't do it without sponsors. But had some really, really good sponsors and some really good backing. But, um, yeah, I you do your own airfare, you call to figure out if housing's available for you, you're booking your hotels. And then if you miss the cut, you've got to then make sure you're on to call where you're going to either pull from there or you're going to the next, you know? Yeah. You, that's, that's just so much more added stress that people don't realize that I'm not only playing golf and trying to make a paycheck, but I have to do all of this as well. And I have to communicate with my sponsors and I don't have an agent to do that for me. I never got to that level. Um, you know, so that definitely can and will help separate, you know, those top players. Yeah, I know it's, it's tough and it's a real grind for the people that, you know, aren't in the top 25 of the, you know, FedEx rankings or Rolex rankings for the women. Um, and you guys are, yeah, you're really just trying to make cuts every week, make some money and, and play. And you guys are the ones you know, Vince and I and Jake talk about Sung JM, who's, you know, younger on the men's tour and he plays every week, yep. uh, even though he doesn't really need to anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough road. And, and I, I applaud all of you guys for for working that hard. Um, so I, I have a couple of questions written down here and I know Vince has a couple as well. Uh, curious as to what your favorite event was that you played when you were you know on the, the, the numerous tours. Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I did actually really enjoy my Symmetra Tour event in Mexico and in Sonata. Uh, just, just fun. That was one of my first. And it just was fun to experience, you know, when, when you have that first go at it. Uh, I think that's just going to kind of always be in your pocketbook. But um, the Canadian Tour did it best. If they would have had a full schedule, I would have played them. <laughs> all year long and sadly they didn't but um my well where i obviously had my best finish which was richmond country club in vancouver uh definitely hands down and if you can get into that area um even just recreationally there is just some really good tracks in that um you know part of canada and we also had an event in niagara falls um and that was on a public track 
and really, really good courses over there too. Um, but as we even kind of talked about last night, uh, Colorado, Colorado had some really good events. They got some really right. good courses. Um, but you know, really when it comes down to favorite events, it's, it's a total package kind of thing. And that's where the Canadian tour just separated themselves from the Symmetra tour. Uh, it's different when a country backs the tour where us, right. the United States, we don't, <laughs> you know, where the Symmetra tour has to fight for themselves. And the LPGA tour is fighting for themselves. We're like Canadian tour. They had CN and they just backed them. I mean, it's why Brooke Henderson is who she is. Her country just backs her. Right. And that's how the tour was run. Um, they cared about us. They paid us. They fed us. Um, we had tea gifts. Um, it just, it was an all, every single event they hosted was just an all around really, really good event. And then the courses we played were just top notch. I mean, as you see maybe on Twitter and, and the different comments that get made about mini tour events, and that's even to our level at the Symmetra tour is you're playing aerated greens, you're playing burnt out greens, you're right. playing fairways. that have got onion straws growing in them. Like it's just not glamorous, you know, at, at that and Canadian tour just always outdid them. So it, I think, I mean, it's a tough question cause there's just so many. Um, and I've been removed long enough that it's sometimes hard to remember, but it's those events that really stick out. Right. Vinny, you have a couple questions I know you want to ask. I mean, really the, the whole tour experience, I would love, we could probably sit and talk about this forever. Um, what about off the course? they give you the like the liberties of of enjoying certain things and i mean obviously very busy but um i'm sure you made some great friends and you got to enjoy some you know areas like vancouver um do you, have you kept a bunch of those friendships in the industry have some of those players gone the same route you are now like um you know golf management course management etc mm-hmm. what uh yeah what, what's the future looking a- like now yeah, it's a big family. Um, I'm still in touch with many of the tour players. Um, I mean, many of them had, you know, come to my wedding, and um, it's it's a sisterhood. Like I said, we're competitors on the golf course, but off, it's it's us that really get us from tournament to tournament. But um, as far as you know, the lifestyle goes, it wasn't really unless you missed cuts <laughs> or you got there, you know, in enough time or had a little bit of time afterwards to be able to really explore. Um, you're just such on a budget um, that just really makes it tough to, you know, do your outward explore- exploration. I've always made this comment when I went to Ireland um, in college uh, for a spring break event. Uh, I would kill to go back because it was just strictly golf and that's tour life. Um, There's just, there's not a lot of time because you've got, you know, two days of practice rounds, maybe three, depending on the golf course. And then you're, you're into tournament play. And then if you make the cut and you end on a Sunday, you've got travel day on Monday to get to your next event to then have practice round Tuesday, Wednesday, and now you're teeing it on Thursday. So they're just, again, a lot of people think it's this glamorous lifestyle when, you know, you've got to pick and choose. And if you're us that really have to play event to event to event, there's just not a lot of time for that extracurricular, you know, exploration of where we're at. Um, nighttime or in the evenings, you know, when you're back at your host family, there's some time there to be able to, you know, get to know where you're at and, you know, the surrounding areas. We do have things that we have to do for the tour. You have volunteer hours that you have to do. Um, your, 
international. They, I mean, they have to take speech. They have to learn how to speak English. And so we have different things that we have to do that then, yes, get us out into the community and we can see those things. But again, it's not, it's not, it's not fun or as, as you guys would view, you know, fun. It's, it was work to us, even though, yes, it's fun. I'm not complaining about the job that I had. Um, but it's it's just different than I think what a lot of people view view it as. Awesome. Um, so I know you've told Vince and I that you, well, I, guess, I don't know if you had the pleasure, but you had to compete against Lexi Thompson in one of your Q school qualifyings, and yeah. she she beat the field by like ten shots or so. Um, she did. Other than Lexi, who were you know some of the. Was there a girl that you played with or a female you played with in, in one round on one of the events, whether it's Symmetra or one of the – you played the LPG events, where you were like, damn, this girl is very good or is just way better than anybody I've ever seen? Yeah, well, actually, that it comes more from my junior career. So I played in the U.S. Girls Junior National Championship. That's kind of where my career started mm-hmm. and where I kind of got my foot inside the door. Um, that field was full of everybody. It was Michelle Wee. It was Paula Kramer. It was Mina Harrigay. Um, you know, it was, it was those names. And you talk about Lexi Thompson with, yes, at Q school, that was my first year of Q school. Um, you know, she had submitted her letter to be able to say, Hey, look, let me in. And, you know, LPGA denied her. And she said, okay, well, let me show you then. And she did. She beat the field by 12 shots. <laughs> and they said, okay, yeah, you can get on tour. I guess maybe that would have been a better route if I could have annihilated the field and I would have got my card. But um, it was it was the U.S. Girls Junior. I, I can recall, um, well, I mean, I got beat like seven and five, six and four, something like that. And uh, Michelle Wee won her match, something big like that. And that was probably the first eye-opening experience of, yeah, Michelle Wee's going to be good. Um, same with Paula Kramer. She she hadn't had annihilated the field, too, and I don't even recall who had won that year, but played with Mina Harrigay. Um, she's making a name for herself now. She's always just kind of hung in the in the field, but um, she's been playing Cactus Story events here through COVID okay. and uh, winning all of those. But she's she's done well for herself on tour, but I played with her since she was like 10. And even then, my my mom could sit here and tell you, too, like, that girl is going somewhere. And here she is still being able to produce numbers and, awesome. you know, make a name for herself. So, yeah. It's cool. It's fun to see those people that have, you know, been a journeyman for a long time and are finally getting some results and, and doing it the right way. Um, Absolutely. Agreed. Especially with the people now that are just coming on tour. They're, like, going from being 19 years old to being successful right away. It's it's frustrating, but, uh, it's very, yep. okay. So a couple questions before we move into Holy moly. Uh, what is your favorite golf course you've ever played? Doesn't have to be an event, just favorite course you ever played other than wildcat. Of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, Quintero golf course, which is in the Northwest corner of Phoenix. It could host a tour event if it wasn't so far removed from the Valley, but I, I don't know how transportation would work. It's one of those where you're driving kind of into the mountains and you wouldn't even know it's there. You, there's a little sign that says Quintero Golf Club, and you, you turn off the, the mountain way. And I, as I kind of explain it, it's, it's heaven's gates. Like, you're driving in, and you get kind of deeper into the mountains, and all of a sudden it's just – it's so green. They've, you know, manicured. It's one of those you can take your shoes off and walk down the fairway. There's wildlife. 
That's there's awesome. undulation. There's, you know, 150 foot drops from par threes. And then there's, you can see the lake and you just feel like you are picked up out of the desert. You just, you're planted into heaven. It just, it Quintero golf club. Got to play. Awesome. So you're, um, speaking of, you talked about your sponsors earlier. So you were a Callaway person, always been a Callaway person or always. what made you choose them? Uh, it was the club that was put in my hands when my mom had, and I got her hand-me-downs until I was kind of producing some numbers, and they realized that I was the player, so they were going to get me the clubs, and then my mom got my hand-me-downs. Uh, but Callaway was just what was put in my hand from the get-go, and obviously I produced the numbers, and I played well with it through my junior career, and I just never looked back. I have probably hit maybe a handful of pings, because that's what my dad had, and hated it. And just have never looked elsewhere. And I feel like I've just been to, I literally, it, it has been, it's 15 years of being with Callaway. Makes sense. Awesome. I've never been able to look at a ping iron. I still can't. Oh. I know. Oh. It just so doesn't bad. fit my eye. No, so bad. <laughs> and that's the difference though too, I think. Uh, that's why I even struggle with any club that I've been with Callaway for so long. Callaways just look a little bit different than most irons anyway. And sound a little bit different in my opinion. So I think that's just why I'm so biased to them. And they treated me well. So I've pretty much used every club manufacturer in my entire life now. So <laughs> I can't really say I'm, I started with Callaway actually. And now I'm in Mizuno, which I don't know. Long story. Um, Never good though. All right. What's the best round of golf you ever shot? 67. Where was that? That was at my home course, uh, Beloit Country Club. Still hold the record there. Nikki Stricker, Steve Stricker's wife, holds it from the white tees, and I hold it from the red tees. And it was actually a practice round to um, an event, and um, I was 14. Holy shit. I peaked early. <laughs> Vinny and I aren't shooting 67 at 14. Shit. I wasn't even playing golf at 14. <laughs> Man. Yeah, Gol- golf was easy back then, and then all of a sudden you get your mind in the way, and you start to travel and have to be your own boss, and it's hard. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I know we could talk about tour life forever, and I'm sure this won't be the only time you're ever on the show, but uh, the really reason we have you on is you are on Steph Curry's Holy Moly, which is, uh, well, I'll let you explain it more, but to my eyes, it's a, a putt-putt competition with obstacles in it um it's on abc thursday nights at 7 p.m central Mm -hmm. 7 p.m central standard time yeah uh so this is the second season and you are actually on this week's episode this is your episode finally i know you've been waiting yes um so so i'd like because i don't really know too much about it i'd love to hear kind of how you got involved with this and you know what how you describe it um as a not just like a putt-putt competition yeah it's it's more extreme miniature putt, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um, it's wipeout on steroids. It's wipeout with um, a hint of mini putt. There's many different ways you can go about it because it definitely, I mean, there were times where my background benefited me, but you don't have to be a good golfer to succeed and or to win $250,000. Uh, you needed to... Be willing to be gut checked, um, not afraid to be set on fire, not afraid to be electrocuted, um, not afraid to fall in really, really cold water and 40 degree temps. Um, It's 
It was far beyond what I could have ever imagined. And I watched season one because I had girlfriends on season one and season two. And they'll even tell you this season two is <laughs> moons by what season one was. It's, I mean, the biggest complaint they got was there wasn't enough wipeouts. So they amped that up times 10. And that is what this season is. It's about wipeouts. Um, and I, I, they have succeeded with that. So um, it's there's 96 contestants. And it was over a two-week filming time span in March. And they narrowed it all the way down to four finalists to then one winner of $250,000. So There's your episode, episode. Go ahead. I was going to say, so your episode this Thursday is for you to get into the final four, correct? The, yes. So, yeah, we'll go into the actually, maybe Elite Eight. I don't know how they're doing the filming. So there's 12 episodes, the 13th being the finale. And so there's 12 episodes, which is the Green Jacket winners, which was how they did season one. Right. Um, so w each episode, there's a Green Jacket winner that then all 12 of us move on to then to the elite eight to the final four to the winner and um, then so go ahead when it gets to the 12 is it like one-on-one -on -one to go to eight to four or however it works so it's one-on-one -on -one the whole time you're all you're, it's always oh, okay. just one-on-one -on -one. and um they just you know kept dwindling and narrowing it down over these two weeks i thankfully had the better end of the filming because i filmed um, at the at the end. So I didn't have to film like early and then have to wait around for a week and a half to then maybe come back and do more filming. Right. Mine was all in one lump, which was which was nice. Um, and at the end. So um, I benefited from that. But um, yeah, it's it's one on one obstacle. And as once you lose, you're done. So it's you had to you, you do this obstacle and then you do have to finish out a putt. You never finish out a putt first and then did an obstacle. So there was always something going on before you then had to go focus and um, make a putt. And how did you get on the show? <laughs> um, I was sought out on Instagram. Um, so they, they hopped in my DMs and asked if this would be something I was interested in. And uh, I'm fairly certain I was referred. Uh, Mackenzie, who's the owner of Big Break or um, Backswing, she was on Big Break. And some of the same producers, I think, are kind of intertwined. Okay. And so there was some referral referring going on. And um, so they asked if I wanted to be on the show. And I actually had to do some research myself because I was like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> and I uh, figured out that this woman that had reached out to me is the real deal and she's a recruiter and um that was the start of a long three and a half month process of signing my life away ultimately to be a contestant on holy moly season two awesome so um are you nervous for this even though you know what's going to happen are you nervous to watch the episode on thursday yeah i'm terrified sick to my stomach <laughs> anxiety ridden like out of this world. I don't know what Joe's going to say. I don't know what Rob Riggle, how he's going to attack me. I, I'm more terrified of that. Because, yes, I do. I know exactly how it plays out. And it's going to be exciting for everybody watching. But I don't know how they edit. I What you guys are seeing is the first time I get to see it. So 
I've seen some YouTube things of, you know, the gurus out there that can splice and they can figure things out and they just like annihilated editing and I'm just terrified and how it's going to be produced on Thursday. And we filmed in the middle of the night or in the wee hours of the morning, 1, 2 a.m. And so like my interviews, I don't even remember what I said. I don't even know what they're casting me as. I don't even know what I said when my, it was my profession. So like all of that stuff, I'm just, I'm scared. <laughs> That's awesome. We think it'll be all right. Now, we, we know you can't disclose anything. <laughs> but um, let's talk about the wipeouts. Were, were there any moments where you kind of felt like, I can't believe I signed up for this shit, and you got you were maybe in some in some pain? Like, do they yep. get that serious? Oh yeah, yep. Um, I mean, how it kind of worked. I can give you a little bit of background. We were picked up by a bus at three thirty in the afternoon, and we're taken out to property. And during sunlight, we are able to be on. Um, production site. So we got brought out and we got to see which obstacles we were getting to do that evening for filming. And it was right then and there that all of us, and I know I can speak for everybody, anxiety was immediate because as they're explaining these obstacles and you're like, I'm sorry, you're going to make me do what? Like, that's not even, that's not feasible. That's not possible. Um, my life is on the line, but that's why we signed contract. Um, I had a girlfriend break two ribs. Uh, if you watched last week's episode, one of the contestants couldn't return because he cracked two ribs. There was concussions. Um, it's, it's, I did. I did it's see extreme. That. Yeah. And, um, I can, I can tell you this cause we all know what my first obstacle is. It's, it's called Uranus and, um, it's, it, you had to um, you had to make a putt over the rings of Uranus, and once you made your first putt, then there was five planets of different sizes, like your wipeout balls, mm-hmm. and you had to jump across these balls to the other side to then finish your putt. And obviously, if you fall in the water, you get penalized. And it's again one in the morning; it's about forty degrees. The water's not heated. And as you're standing up on the platform having to run across these damn balls, you're like, there's just no way. I'm going in the water. And you can't breathe because of the fear of going into the water. You're shaking. Um, That's where just the whole golf thing just doesn't even play a part. Um, And even if you're an athlete, I don't even know that that could play a part. It just is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And if you've seen some of the wipeouts with the um, the port potties, yeah, those are extreme. Like that's. But yeah, I, so I've seen that video. That's like not even that's not even an obstacle because even if you did your best job there, there's just people sitting in those port potties that are going to open them up on you every mm-hmm. time. That's that's one of the dumbest things ever. That's not even luck. It's just yeah. I'll give you guys credit for that. Um, so, do your parents know if you won or not? Does anybody? They do. Know? They were there. They were in the crowd. Okay. Uh, okay. Trey Man was there too. My little four-year-old. He was in the crowd, um, and uh, they got to be involved. And yes, they and they had to sign contracts too. So, everybody that was with me um, on site uh, are all sworn to secrecy, and it's been very hard to keep this all a secret. 
Hey, but it's exciting for everybody. I mean, for the people you know, people in the industry, uh, and it, it should be exciting for you to kind of let it unfold at the same time. Other than the fact that you may have to sit on your winnings for, uh, for a period of time, you know, if you won, who knows? That's right. No one will know. That's why everybody's like, well, she's still living in a, an apartment. It's like, well, yeah, I'm tied to a contract. I can't just all of a sudden go out and buy my dream car and move into my house that I'm going to be building. Like, I got to play it cool until the show's done, you know, with its airing. So um, it is. It's fun toying with everybody and um, the support and uh, every bit that has come with it has just been extremely humbling. And it's been it's been a fun process. Well, I can tell you, I know Doug and I are excited to hopefully see you dominate on episode. Well, I guess it's episode four, but your first episode on Holy Moly on Thursday. So we wish you the best viewing wise. Drink some tequila. Who knows? We all know I won't be sober. <laughs> I'm going to have to have something to get me through Thursday. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, there's only one way to play golf now that you're retired. You have to have cocktails. It is. I, I, you, it's crazy how that whole scene has flipped because I could never play golf drinking. I was terrible. And now it's almost to the other extent where I can't play golf without drinking. So maybe that's a problem. I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to roll with it. You're part of the normal people golf crew now. That's hey, what happens. I, I like that. I'm okay with that. I don't have to be, you know, how, whatever that saying is. Don't don't want to be right if it's wrong or wrong if it's right. Well, Chelsea, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on the sh- on the show this week. Like you said, first female. I'm sure this won't be the first time you're on. We are very much looking forward to uh, watching you Thursday night. Um, I hope you wipe out and fall in the water because I just want to laugh at you. But uh, I also hope you win the episode. Uh, and win the whole thing. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat with you soon. Thanks for having me, you guys. Pleasure. Absolutely. Anything else you want to want to close with? Or maybe maybe shout out a Instagram handle or something for people to come and watch? Or however, sure, yeah. this will probably yeah. get posted Thursday morning. So here we yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, uh, give me a follow on, on Instagram. It's DK3S underscore mama. Pretty active there. Not as active on uh, Twitter, which is CK underscore golf. Um, you can find me on Facebook as well. But uh, love to meet people. Love to communicate. Love to tell my story. Um, I'm an open book. Um, you know, love to love to help in any way I can. And like I said, appreciate your guys' support. Thanks for having me on. And we will you, talk to you, you soon. You want to plug um, Backswing really quick as well? Sure. I know yeah. that you're a current employer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the other would be backswing golf events. Um, it's you know it's it's who I work for, and there's about 52 of us female golfers, give or take, maybe a little bit more now. That um, if you're playing in a scramble event, or you know of a business, corporation, organization that's hosting a big event, that's where we come in. We get hired out, and we just kind of add a little twist. And we do a close to the pin contest. We can do a long drive contest, whatever it is, but. We just add a little twist and, and help fundraise for charities and whatever it is that you guys have on your plate. In 2019, we fundraised uh, just shy of $2 million. So we're busy. We're active. We, we love um, love to help. But, yeah, give us a follow at Backswing Golf Events. Um, we'd love to possibly help you out in the near future. Awesome, Chelsea. Awesome. All Thank right. you, guys. Okay. Oh, thank, thank you, ma'am. You.